Lord, if there's those that are not back that are traveling and on vacation, I pray that it would rain on them even now, Lord. I pray that you'd bring them home safely. Help us have a good time of fellowship this morning. And as we look forward to the music in the next hour, be with my pastor as he speaks. Even now, Lord, I pray that you would encourage him. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a wonderful service and just a drop of heaven this morning into our services, into our lives. Lord, we would take something here that said this morning. And Lord, we would take something that you said and apply it to our lives in practical application. God, we love you this morning. We thank you for smiling faces. Be with those that are here, Father, that are discouraged this morning. God, I pray that you would touch their hearts. Help us to realize that someone sitting to our left or right may have a real problem this morning. God, I pray that you would bless those that are here. And I pray that you'd be with our fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) All right. Grab a seat and we will get started. If you don't grab a seat, then be quiet. All right. All right, so uh, care group leaders, we have a leadership meeting today. Yes, I know. Today, 4 o'clock, and we have an early service, so it will not be a long leadership meeting. I'm sure you all know that. You'll hear that announced this morning. Uh, Johnny's speaking uh, tonight. I think it's a special service. You'll hear about it. Um, But we do have a leadership meeting for about 45 minutes this afternoon uh, for our monthly leadership meeting so to get the new year kick started and it is care group leaders it is the uh, leadership meeting where you'll go to a class with care group leaders and I'll go with teachers and assistant teachers and uh, and if you're a outreach leader uh, you'll go with the outreach leader so um, <clears throat> look forward to seeing you guys that can make it to that and and can and can uh, leave your family for an hour or so that'd be great all right um, y'all remember Rex he's in Africa this morning um, so far as I know, and uh, last I heard from him yesterday, he was. Uh, so y'all remember him as he's gone three weeks, Marty? About three weeks. Y'all remember him. Uh, it sounded like stuff got started real well. He's had great attendance so far, but some struggles as usual when you're on the road. So you guys remember, Marty, you have anything to say? You want to add anything? No? All right, good. She gives thumbs up. Y'all remember Marty as, as Rex is gone? Um, so uh, praise God for people that will go and do what God tells them to do, huh? So uh, some of you who uh, need to be supporting and helping support, y'all remember them and see what the Lord would lead you to do because they are in full-fledged ministry in Africa and Brazil. All right? Uh, I think that's it. Kelly, you don't need me to say anything, right? We're good? All right, cool. All right, we'll be having a, uh, uh, we haven't had one in a long time. We'll be having an uh, outreach That'll be going uh, sometime probably in September, I would guess. We'll get, we'll get dates where we all get together after the summer and see everybody's tans. Some of us, our uh, V-neck t-shirt tans from cutting the grass and being out on the baseball field. But uh, they didn't get to go to the beach. But we'll have a time of fellowship. Hopefully some of you new folks that have come on board, and, and I know we have some that are, that'll be here uh, next few weeks that, uh, that have been out. Uh, we'll be able to meet some people and have some fellowship. So we look forward to that. And we usually have a pretty good turnout for those. So hopefully that'll be the case. Any other announcements I'm missing? I don't see Brian anywhere. So we'll get started. Um, turn real briefly and we'll be flipping to the Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8. If you don't have your Bible, I'll read it for you. 
or your technology, and then we'll be um, probably looking into 1 Samuel after that, so if you want to find your place there. All right? Romans 12, 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. We're going to dig in on one of these this morning. We're going to dig in on he who exhorts in exhortation. Does anybody know what the word exhortation means? What would we say today in our language? Encouraging. Anyone else? Say again. Lift up. up, Yes. Anyone? Okay. The gift of exhortation involves motivating and encouraging and consoling others so that they mature in Jesus. So I'll... I put that last phrase because, honestly, I didn't know that. I knew exhortation was encouraging, but as a spiritual gift, it's encouraging in our walk, in our faith with Jesus to encourage, as Greg just said, to lift up towards and mature others in Christ. So it's kind of interesting, right? So if you're sitting here and you have the gift of encouragement, let's just say it in our language, and you're not using it to encourage the church then you're not in using it in accordance to what God gave it to you. And you may have not discovered, and you may find out this morning, that you, are a, uh, that you have that gift mentioned in Romans 12, 6 through 8. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, this morning. Uh, I wrote down the definition, uh, pulled one of them off the internet, encourage, to inspire with hope, courage, or confidence, to give support to, to stimulate and spur on. You know, the interesting thing about that is when I think of encouragement, um, th- this week, actually, in fact, uh, had no idea I would be teaching this, trust me, uh, Todd and Becca got to hear my complaints of the Lord not giving me message this week uh, until little, literally with coffee in hand until many of you were probably fast asleep. Um, and uh, that's probably my fault for not answering the phone the correct way, right? Uh, but... I, I did. I think I did get it last night. Um, I had an opportunity this week. I had a, a lady that I work with that came in. And she said, hey, can I have five minutes of your time? I said, sure. She came in, and she, I could tell she was burdened, and she goes to what I call my Friday Sunday school class on Friday mornings that I get 20, 30 minutes to, to teach. My office allows me to do that, and it's a great a great thing for our company, and we pray, and then we we uh, we we do a small Bible study, and she had been in that a few times, and she came and she said she had a, a niece that was going through some really, really terrible things that I won't go into, and that she had not heard from the Lord um, on what she was supposed to do, but I could tell after I just listened, I just let her talk, that she was burdened to help. She was burdened and really thought, that she should be stepping in. And it is her niece, and her brother was unable to take care of the situation due to his circumstances with no job and such. And it was a, it's a bad situation. I mean, she had been abused and a lot of different things. So as I listened, she talked herself right back, you know, into what she needed to be doing. 
And uh, then, of course, um, as the Lord led, I, 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 um, I said a few words at the end. And, uh, and, I, and I used something that actually Rex gave me a long, long time ago when I, when I was going on mission field. Um, and I just asked her a simple question. Of course, she looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, have you laid your yes on the altar yet? She kind of looked at me and she didn't know what I was talking about. And, and, and that is to say, I'm just curious. I don't know the answer, right, Robert? I mean, we don't know the answer. I mean, God didn't give me the answer. I'm listening to you and I'm hearing you. And I think I could give you advice, but I'm scared to give you advice because I don't know what the Lord would have you to do. But I said, literally, have you got down in the carpet, the dirt, and said, Lord, my yes is on the altar. You close the window if you don't want me to help. But if you, if you do want me to help and my heart is leading me that way, I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. And uh, that's a scary thing, right, to lay your yes on the altar before the Lord because then you're in. You've bought in. And it's up to God to say no at that point in time. Well, that's not what our lesson is on, but here's some questions I have for you. I'm curious how many of you did something similar this week or recently. Here, here's a few questions to get your mind going. So I want your participation in just a second. Do you enjoy walking with someone through difficulties? Okay, so here's the deal. You hear difficulties and you get involved. God seemingly draws you in like a magnet. So you want to talk to them and understand their difficulties and minister to them. That's your heart. Are you attracted to those who are hurting and needy? You know, someone's in need and you're attracted to them. You know, there are people, and I'm sure some of you are those people, that someone can be in need and it doesn't bother you at all. Now, as a Christian, it should, but I'm talking about overburden you, you know, like the kind that wake you up in the middle of the night. Um, I'll share um, with you guys something in a few minutes. Some of the folks that have been in here since the beginning will remember my friend Benny um, that uh, God put in front of me, and I'll, I'll share that if y'all remind me in just a second. But um, are you attracted to those who are hurting and needy? And are you patient with people? Because, you know, oftentimes, this gift from what I studied this week, oftentimes the people that have this gift are more patient than some of us who don't have the gift. Because God gives you that, and you're patient with people as they're working their circumstances out to what? To encourage, which Paul said. That's, that's what we would call the gift of exhortation, is to encourage. All right, so here's the real questions. You may have exhortation, that gift. And hey, if you don't, please still pay attention this morning because you may be on the other side of this and we'll get to some biblical examples in a second. Uh, and for those who didn't hear me, uh, 1 Samuel uh, is, is where we'll be going in just a minute, okay? All right, when is the last time you made impact on someone with, in, listen, with intentional encouragement? Intentional encouragement. Not accidental, not... Uh, at the water cooler, as I say all the, all the time, I mean, where you, you know, you handed someone five bucks. I mean, I understand we all do that, but I mean, I'm not talking about pity. I'm talking about when's the last time you intentionally encouraged someone intentionally? And when is the last time you were encouraged so much? So you were on the other side, you were encouraged so much that it impacted you or strengthened you. Now, just think for a second, okay? Don't get so hung up in me talking. If you've got a pen and paper, 
And if you don't, write it on the write it on your your heart's or in your mind, in your mind's eye. If you got a piece of paper this morning, this may be something you want to look back on this afternoon or I don't know, a couple weeks from now. I don't know. I want you to think about this. Who is the last person to encourage you, to strengthen you? Think about it. Just for I'm going to give you a moment of silence. I'm going to stop talking. Who is the last person to encourage you? Mine's easy because it happened real, real, real recently. Strengthen you. I'm talking. Who was the prophet that God brought the ravens brought the food to? You remember? Elijah. Okay. I'm talking about you needed meat and God provided it. You didn't have it. God provided it through someone. Your encourager. Okay, so who was the last person to encourage you? I bet if you're honest, some of you may have, but I bet that most of you didn't even realize that God sent that encouragement. It wasn't happenstance. God sent it. That's pretty neat. To me, it's pretty neat when you start thinking about it. Here's a more important question. When I stop talking in just a few seconds, name the person who God lays on your heart, in your mind's eye, on your paper. I like it if you write it because I know you'll remember it. That he put in your pathway to be an encourager once upon a time that meant a tremendous amount to you. I mean, it was at a point in your life where you needed encouragement. I'm going to share mine with you, and then I would ask that several of you share with me in brief, but share with us. I can think of a lot of people, but I think of one that set me on my pathway for courage and strength and almost one of those taps on the rear end that you get if you play sports to get in the game and stay in the game and even when discouraged, keep going. I think of my friend, and some of you will know this, definitely some of you will know this, that came from my other Sunday school class some years ago. I think of a gentleman by the name of Carl Turner. And uh, I was teaching. I taught at the church for almost 10 years. And when I first started teaching over there, he was the minister of music there. And Carl, that was definitely one of his spiritual gifts, as some of you will shake your head. Carl was, uh, um, and I say was because Carl's deceased. Uh, Carl died, you all might remember, just a short while ago. He was uh, the gentleman. He was on the news everywhere. He fell off the boom lift and and uh, passed away. It was 42, 43. Um, Carl had the gift of encouragement. And I'm telling you, every time, it didn't matter if I bombed, Robert. You know, if I bombed, or in my mind I bombed, he was the guy that would come up to me, Paul, after the service was over. And at my other church, I had this unique situation, the fact that I was teaching Sunday school, and some of you are shaking your head. 
And then I became a very, very, very young chairman of the deacons with some very, very wise men that somehow, some way, I don't know how I ended up there. And literally, I remember the day I accepted that I got up in front of everybody and I, and I looked around and it was all white hair as far as the eye could see. And, and I said, what? I, inside, I said, what am I doing here? You know, and uh, it was just a few short months and I'll get back to Carl's just a few short months. And I had a minister of music leave for good reason. He, he was going to further his ministry and God had called him. And then the knock of the door uh, a couple of months later, my pastor meets me face to face and he said, Jeff, I need to talk to you. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, and he handed me his letter of resignation and he had been called to a church in Alabama and here I was, I don't even know how old I was. I guess it's been almost 10 years ago and uh, I'm sitting here with a church of three, 400 and I've never done this before and my pastor shed tears with me and he said, hey, I, I, I would love to stay, but God's calling me. And he, of course, gave me some scripture to lean on and, and he said, you can do it. And God has prepared you for such a time as this. And you guys know that scripture. But uh, we got through that. But all the while, Carl, every time I would stand up and speak, and of course, when you do that, if you don't get someone to speak, if you're not Johnny Hunt, you don't know all the pastors in the area. If you don't get someone to come speak, guess who's speaking? You, right? So I didn't want to do that much, but I ended up doing that a lot uh, on Wednesdays and stuff like that particularly. But we were blessed and we found uh, Brother Steve Eccles, uh, which some of you know, who headed up New Orleans Seminary here and, and now is the president, uh, or uh, last I checked, was the president of a seminary up in Tennessee, Temple. Uh, but all that being said, Carl... Every time I would step out, Greg, after the end, he'd come up to put his arm around me. It didn't matter if I bombed or whatever. He would say, man, that was awesome. <laughs> man, manna from on high, banana pudding, everything. I mean, by the time he got done with me, I was like a rooster, you know, walking out of there. You know, I was doctor of Sunday school. You know what I'm saying? He was that kind of guy. He, he, he really, if he didn't, he sure made me feel that way. But uh, after I left, Carl ended up taking my Sunday school class that, I, that we had formed and teaching. And Carl went to be with the Lord. And Marsha would stand here and weep if she was up here talking about it. But he would leave me, I'm telling you. He was just one of those guys, you know. And I hear Johnny talk from the pulpit a lot. But he, and everyone has those people. But he was one of those guys that would, when I was down and feeling discouraged, He would leave a voicemail. He definitely was God's gift to me for a while. And I so appreciate it. He was a true friend. So, anyone like to share? Who was your... Who was your... Well, I'm going to skip ahead here. Who was your Jonathan? I'll, I'll open it up like that. Because we're about to talk about that. But anybody like to share? If, if the Lord's just, I mean, you don't have to sh talk for f 10 minutes, just share. Yeah, yeah. Philip?
You know, John Maxwell writes in, in a leadership book that, that some of us have read. Um, he writes in his first, I think it's the first chapter, that God puts lid lifters, L-I-D, lid lifters in all of our lives. And that and what I describe, they were lid lifters. In other words, there's great leaders in God's word and in our world, our present world, um, might I even guess a little bit that if I were to ask our pastor that he might might throw out the name Jim Law would be a lid lifter? Miss Janet, would you agree with that? I mean, we have these great leaders. We see these great leaders, and we see men and women that lead, but God puts a lid lifter in there. In other words, they blow the lid off where the leader could not lift the lid by himself or herself, but someone comes who does. Anyone else? Yes. Sure. Why did you come here? That sounds wonderful. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Amen. That's great. Somebody else was right here. Kelly. Good. Mark is a lid lifter. Trust me, he gets lots of my lunch conversations. Um, so I agree with you. Someone else? Sherry? Mm-hmm. I know her well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yes, Tina. So what a great segue into, that was awesome, in the fact that we oftentimes, some of you, not all of us, of course, some of you have the gift of exhortation, but some of you have a real problem accepting the gift of exhortation coming around 
where God supplies someone you need and you shut them down and they, they have need to share their gift and you shut them down because you don't want to accept the gift. Join me in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Very familiar, hopefully, scripture uh, in terms of King David. And right here we have where David, and i got to go quickly, right? So y'all listen quick. David is not in the throne yet, on the throne, but God has anointed and put his hand on him. You guys know the story. King Saul, and this is the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit comes and goes, not like today. We've talked about that before. And the Holy Spirit is coming off of King Saul for various reasons that we've talked about before. But it's interesting. David, as good as David was, you know, the same guy who beat the bear and the lion and Goliath. David is a man of war who God will anoint and bless in war times. But David, where, here's the question, where would David be without Jonathan? Who is your Jonathan? Are you someone else's Jonathan? For those who don't know the story, Jonathan is headed for the throne. If Saul dies, he's the man. Yet he befriends David. And actually the scripture says that he loves David. And of course I know that there's denominations and some of you have heard of them that want to proclaim that Jonathan and David were a homosexual couple. Oh my. That's not close to being true um but that's how warped the devil can get some people sometimes in looking at things but the bottom line is i digress with that with that statement but jonathan's sent into david's life to be a lid lifter as john maxwell calls it and um he's put in his pathway and david's in a crunch he's in a difficult spot more difficult than we most of us could ever fathom. Why was Saul, y'all help me here, why was Saul after David? Because you remember, he loved David at first. Why was he after him? He was jealous, right? Join me in 1 Samuel 18, verse 6. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the cities, you women, of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. I pause. This happens when I come home sometimes from work. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, it's toothbrushes and spoons and stuff with baby food all over it. But nevertheless... Women, come pouring out to meet me. Um, <clears throat> on the podcast, they will not get that. But So the women sang as they danced and said this, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Man. Verse 8, Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. Verse 10, oh, verse 9, so Saul eyed David from that day forward. So he's got a real problem. The king 
who David loves and David knows is anointed by Samuel is after David because of jealousy. But God sends, and I want y'all to hear that again, but God sends a man called of encouragement, called to encourage. Some of us are called to give. Some of us are called to speak. Some of us are called to preach. Some of us are called to do a number of things. This man, Jonathan, from all I can read, is called to lift a burden to encourage David. And man, does he. He comes to him, and I, and I could go through the scripture, and some of you would know this story very, very well. Um, I could, I, matter of fact, I, I've written down the scriptures. If you look at verse 11, there it says... And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. That's real friendly, isn't it? Um, But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. Okay? It says, verse 14, And David behaved wisely all his ways, and the Lord was with him. And therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved wisely, he was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. He was a man of the people. And um, later on, in that same scripture, scripture, Saul's daughter would fall in love with David and be given to David in, in matrimony to David. And Saul was so crooked that he would try to use that to to know where where David was going to be and to use that to hamstring him, so to speak, so that she could snare him for her dad. And David obviously was protected. And the story goes on. I want you to see in, um, in verse 30 of 18, Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely. Isn't it amazing when God's on your side how wise that you behave? By the way, that's not an intelligence that some of you and I may have, uh, you more than me, but it's wisdom. God gives wisdom. We're, We're told we can ask for wisdom, and very commonly I ask for double portions of wisdom so that we can... Behave the way God wants us to and know things in discernment that God would have us to know. And it says that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that his name became highly esteemed. Pay attention to 19. Now Saul, 19.1, spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all the servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. And I could read on. There are several scriptures that say, Jonathan loved David. I don't think Jonathan just did not love his daddy, but he loved David. God had given him a reason in his heart to encourage David. And y'all know the story. He goes out to the field. He tells him that he's going to be dismissed from the table. And Jonathan says, let me test my dad. And if I test him and he's still after you, I will let you know. And in the scripture in 19, excuse me, 24, it says, So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you, use, your, you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And you know they made a covenant with one another, and David remembered Jonathan all the days of his kingship. Here's my question. That's the Bible account. Now let's bring it back to 2013. Who is your Jonathan? 
can you identify them? Maybe you can't and God is going to send you a Jonathan into your life soon. Who's your guy or gal of encouragement? Here's the more difficult question. Who's Jonathan are you supposed to be? Has God laid a, laid a person in your path or persons that you're supposed to encourage? Whose lids are you supposed to lift that without you, they don't get the lid off and they won't be all they could be because you did not fulfill your encouragement duty if called to do so? God sent Jonathan, and if you think about it, guys, as God often does, it doesn't even make any sense, Paul. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Jonathan is going to the throne, and he gives David the inside track. He's willing to step to second and be second in command, if you will. But God has called him. Jonathan's called to encourage King David, and he fulfills that duty. Yes. You know, and some of you may be thinking, well, what can I do? That's a good point. What can I do that's Jonathan-like? You know, God didn't call you to be exactly Jonathan. Maybe the guy or gal you're encouraging is not going to be dead tomorrow morning if you don't encourage them. But maybe a meal, maybe a ear to listen. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, you guys know if God lays it on your heart what it's supposed to be. It could be financial. Uh, you know, everyone always goes there, but it might not be. Um, it certainly might be a lot of other things. I mean, y'all's testimonies were different things. You know who, see if you get this, Some somebody will get this, probably more than somebody, but who was called in, 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 in the Bible son of encouragement? Known by the name that we're talking about this morning. They were called the son of encouragement. Does anybody know that Bible trivia here this morning? Who? Yes. Barnabas. Do y'all know Barnabas? He was really named Joseph. But he was renamed the apostles. Imagine that. The apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of of thunder. Now I'm gone, John. Son of encouragement. That's another lesson for another time. Uh, son, of, son of encouragement. You know why they called him that? I'm switching gears on you. and We don't have time to read all the scripture I wanted to get to. Does anybody remember why they called him that? If you take your mind's eye back to the early book of Acts, the church is getting rolling. Barnabas, as far as we know, did not walk with Jesus. Barnabas comes on the scene from outside the city into Jerusalem. And most people believe he probably, this is a guess, that he heard Peter that day, Tony, stand up and it's not, it's not uh, weak Peter anymore, right? He stands up among the brethren and he preaches. 
and then 3,000 souls come to know Jesus. And most believe that I read after that Barnabas is saved right there in the city of Jerusalem. Well, we know this, that the church at Jerusalem was needy. They were poor. And here's what happened. If Jason became Christian and Greg became a Christian and uh, they, uh, they really started living their faith out, guess what happened to their jobs in the city of Jerusalem? They were cut loose. They were avoided. All of a sudden, people that used to come to their fruit stand don't come to the fruit stand anymore. People that used to bring their iron to be hammered out don't come anymore. They were put aside. It would be similar, not quite as bad, but similar to what we today might, someone might be called a right-wing, what? Extremist, right? You know, or a left-wing or what, you know, something like that politicized. What Barnabas did is he was part of that early church, and as I read the account, and you'll remember this once I say it, he went out and the Bible simply says that he sold the field and he gave the money to the apostles at their feet. What does that mean? Very early in the book of Acts, if you read in chapter 2, you'll remember a lot of people want to say that the early church was into communism, right? Well, that's not true. What the early church was doing is everyone had need. And by the way, there was no welfare then, Jason. The church did it. The church met the need. The people. God brought the people together. And if Sonia had need, we met the need. And later on, somebody else needed need. And Sonia met the need. And so Barnabas comes and evidently he's a man of wealth. He sells his field and he brings the money to encourage the brethren. So we have a a story of Jonathan who encourages a single man to be a great man. And by the way, without David, who knows where the world would be? I mean, I could go back and we could go through and say, what would the world be like without King David? And who knows? It would have been different, though. Even today where we sit would have been different without King David. But, somebody's whistling at me. Um, even, Even so... We read about Barnabas, who not encourages one, Robert. He encourages the brethren. He encourages all the people that are in the early church. And by the way, who knows what would have happened if he had not done that. And he wasn't the only one. What I find interesting, Greg, is that he's pointed out in the scriptures. I mean, they literally say he did this. He sold the field and he gave the money. And he, by the way, he didn't ask for a power position. But it's interesting, he didn't walk with Jesus, Paul. But later on, he's named with Paul as being an apostle, yet he didn't walk with Jesus. Then later on, as, I, as the book of encouragement goes, because that's what the message is on, I'm closing right now. If, the, if, if Paul had not had Barnabas, see, we know Barnabas by name because he did some great things. But if he had not encouraged Paul, watch this. He gave the money for the field and the early needy folks at Jerusalem were pacified and made it through a tough time. The next phase that I read about is he encouraged Paul. Paul was Saul and he's the guy that walked him into the room, if you can do in your mind's eye, with all the apostles. And when he walked in, there was either anger or there was scaredness, one or the other. They had seen what Paul had done to Stephen or allowed to be done to Stephen. And I'm sure several of them backed up and said, get this guy out of here. We don't want to have anything to do with him. And Barnabas steps in and he encourages Paul into the point to where Paul became who he would become and honestly changed the world. He changed the world. I mean, he's 
He's a, he's a world changer. Of course we could read about Jesus' encouragement in Romans where he talks about in that great scripture in 12 where he asks us to fix our eyes and gaze our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We, well, Jesus is the example, every great example, but talking about some other examples, Barnabas encouraged Paul and he introduced Paul and truly changed the direction of Saul. So what am I saying this morning? I'm going to read the first two questions I ask you and dismiss. When is the last time you made impact on someone with intentional encouragement? Today, somebody, I feel in a group size, I don't know, 70 people, somebody here is being called to encourage somebody. As the old preacher says, get off your blessed assurance and get to encouraging. I don't know what it is, and it may be me in some respects, and it may be someone sitting here today. When is the last time you were encouraged so much that it impacted you or strengthened you? You know what would be a great thing to do? Maybe you've been encouraged to the point where you were really down, and today you're not down. You're up. You're out of the valley. You're out of the valley. Maybe it might be a good idea this afternoon in our great society of technology that you, if you won't pick up the phone and call them, that you text them and say, you know what, I appreciate you. When I was down, you lifted me up. You were my lid lifter. They won't have any idea what you're talking about unless they've read John Maxwell's book or unless they have heard our lesson. But maybe you could tell them you appreciate what they did for you. Even if in, your, in their eyes it may have been something small, it may have been something great for you. It may have been a time you so needed it. Let's dismiss. Father, thank you for this time. Thanks for these people. Thanks for just the opportunity to share. God, help us to be an encouragement to others around us today. Help us to know that we may have the power, literally, that you've given us to encourage a great leader, a future leader. Maybe we have the opportunity to encourage someone that needs encouragement, that without us, Lord, they'll be down the rest of their lives. We need to lift that lid off their lives and free them. Thank you, God, in my life for sending the Carl Turners of the world. Thank you for even the people under the sound of my voice that know who they are, that right here in this fellowship, they have encouraged me to the point that I've keep on keeping on. God bless our pastor as he speaks. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.